0: Hi, this is Chad. I'm so glad to be part of your journey towards product mastery so you can better develop products customers love. With this journey in mind, I am launching something brand new. It's called the Product Mastery Now Community. If you find value in this podcast, then this community is for you as I've designed it for listeners and with listeners in mind to get more value on this journey towards product mastery. It will provide you tools and resources to help accelerate your journey, a peer learning forum to interact with other product professionals, and many other advantages as well. The software does end soon. Go to productmasterynow.com community to learn how the community works, what it provides you, and also to apply to join the community. Again, that URL to find out more is productmasterynow.com community. And today we're talking about the importance of product management and what makes a product manager great. Love this topic. We have the perfect person for this discussion, and that's JJ Rory. JJ has spent her professional career in product roles, both leading product and internal roles, and also advising and coaching companies. She teaches the graduate product management course for the engineering school at John Hopkins University and hosts the Product Voices podcast, another great podcast for you to check out, Product Voices. She's the author of Immutable, Five Truths of Great Product Managers, love the title. We'll be talking about that a little bit more about what she has seen as, as the five truths of great product managers. She's also the founder of Great Product Management, where she provides training, coaching, and advisory services for product managers, leaders, and teams. As a reminder, if you want a written summary of what we talked about, including a one-page action guide, it's the key takeaways for you to immediately put into action the insights that JJ will be sharing with us. Simply go to productmasterynow.com slash four zero three. JJ, thanks so much for being with us.
1: Hi, Chad, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: I'm very excited to be talking with you. So I, I know of your work when you were at a previous company, And I've had the pleasure of being a guest on your podcast, which was just absolutely wonderful. And I love what you have been doing for the product management community and your love of helping companies do a better job with product management as well. Before we get into some of the characteristics of great product managers, really excited to talk about that. I, I saw something in your background that I wanted to just take you back to and kind of get your take on. You were the global head of business intelligence and data analytics products at First Data, Back in a time that they were making a large commitment to product management, and my paths crossed with that company, and I don't know if you were involved in what was going on from that kind of that product management perspective, but I'm just curious. I'm out here in Colorado, and at the time, they were headquarters in Denver, right? I think then after they moved to Florida, I'm not even sure where they are now if they're still in Florida or not. They had made this commitment to Wall Street that they were going to grow to be a double-digit profit-generating company through new product development. And they were incentivizing internally, not just the product managers, but anyone else that wanted to earn professional certification in product management. And I just found that so interesting, but that they expanded this beyond just the product managers to anyone because they were really making a commitment to, you know, new products is the future of this organization. We want everyone to have some knowledge of what that means and what it takes to develop new products. I love it as a story because it shows that commitment to how important this product management discipline really is to people. I don't know what you saw of that during your time there, I'm just, just curious.
1: Yeah, actually it's I, it's funny that you brought that up. That was my first foray into real th- product management, I like to say, because mm-hmm. I I got trained through that program and got the NPDP, New Product Development Professional Certification through PDMA and others, yes. And and so it's it's a funny story because Things changed in the in the company while I was there, but when I started, I was kind of on the financial financial services side or or FI side, financial institution side. So so first data is as you know, but f- for listeners, it's a big financial services firm. It's actually now Fiserv because they have now merged and went under the mm-hmm. Fiserv brand, but a payment processor, basically. And so, you know, the, the, the credit card, debit card, any kind of payment card, you know, swipes or, or now taps it at, at any retailer, any merchant, that transaction, you know, that one second transaction is what First Data did. So we had two sides of, of the transaction. We had the financial services firm, which is the bank, the credit card issuer, right? And then the retailer, wherever you're, you know, buying something. And so I was on that financial FI side or, or financial institution side. And then there was this Big merchant side within First Data, and it's kind of a, a funny story of of how big, even big, successful, innovative-focused companies can kind of be siloed. I there was this intranet, right, and and I saw this, you know, NPDP product management training, you know, sign up for this, and so I signed up for it on this intranet at First Data and and you know a few days later my my manager comes to me and says you know I I and this, and at this point I wasn't the the global head I was I was a product manager it was you know, basically for, for data and analytics still, but it was, you know, not, I didn't have a big team or anything. So my manager comes to me and says, what is this you signed up for? This isn't us. And I was like, yeah, it is. It says right there, first data product management training. And, and she was like, well, that's FI or that's merchant. That's not us. And I was like, I'm doing it. She was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. (laughs) And so, and then some others on my team and some others, you know, within our organization kind of got over there. So the message got around that, you know, we wanted everyone to learn product management. And so, yeah, it was a great program. And, and it was, it was fun to find a group of folks who were really interested in, in learning and, and building and growing around product management. That was cool. I, that's, I didn't realize that you were you were a part of that, so that's really cool. We go we go back, even though we didn't realize it. I,
0: apparently, yes, yeah. I, I was one of those people. I'm sure there were many that was helping people prepare for the the MPDP, that mm-hmm. new product development professional certification, yeah. and getting them up to speed to take the test. So. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, I just love the commitment that this was a uh, you know apparently the way it was told to me you know a company wide opportunity for people to learn about product work
1: yeah and it was i mean it it was i mean we had you know just my we did little cohorts right and just my cohorts were 30 50 people and then i mean it just kept going and so there Mm -hmm. was a ton of people who went through that and learned that and you know it was also at, at a time you know i guess that was probably gosh close to 15 years ago or maybe even a little more which is crazy to think about but it was also at a time where you know we were focused or that industry was focused very much on things like data and analytics, mobile payments was, was not a thing yet. Right. Right. You know, how consumer loyalty and behavior and that sort of thing. So very kind of innovative time to be in the industry coupled with the focus on product management. It was really fun.
0: Yeah. Thanks for just sharing some of the background. I just think for listeners, it's such a great example of a commitment that If an organization commits to product management and creating products that will actually bring value to customers, how that can really change an organization and push it forward. Yeah, absolutely. I have something special to tell you about. After talking with hundreds of product managers about their journey and how they grew in their careers, three levers consistently stand out. Frameworks and tools, structured learning, and peer learning. To bring all three levers together, The Product Mastery Now community is opening soon for the very first time. The community will help you accelerate your journey and career. This is something that I've always wanted to help others with and something I wish I had as myself when I was growing in my career. You listen to this podcast because you find value in it and the community will amplify that value for you. Further, joining during the founder's launch guarantees you the lowest price the community will ever be available for. You'll get training in frameworks and tools, live Q&A with podcast guests, advice from other community members, and more. Learn more about the community and apply to be a member at productmasterynow.com slash community. This is the Founders Launch. Check it out now. I do want to get on to the topic, which happens to be the topic of your recent book, Immutable 5. Congratulations on getting that written and published and into the hands of product managers. When it comes to great product managers, right, let's dive into what that really means. And you say there's five truths of great product managers in your book, customer intelligence, relationship building, effective communication, good judgment, and prioritization. And I would love to spend our time if you could take us through each one of those so we can better understand them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, first of all, a little background on the book and, and these five truths as they ended up, you know, being called it's i I have worked obviously in product management for a long time and i've I've probably the last five six years or so been training and advising and coaching and you know doing that sort of thing through through my own company and through another great company sequent learning and so you know i'm I'm used to seeing these organizations like the first data example you know want to get better at product management and product management, it's a, it's a complex function and, and there's always a better way to do it. And there's, there's a way to, you know, focus your time and your effort and your people and your process and all that stuff. And every organization is a little different. And so when I, when I got the idea to write a book or when I kind of was exploring this, I, th- my, my general theme was, Hey, let's, let's help people be better at product. Well, gosh, (laughs) that could be, you know, a million different things. And, you know, there's, there's, you know, new frameworks and, and new way of looking things, you know, every, every time we turn around. And so what I, what I really ended on was, I want to find those things in product management and with product managers, specifically the folks in that role, that are more immutable, hence the title, more timeless, that regardless of what organization you go to, whether you've got a great, you know, product management focused organization or not, whether you're in financial services or software or oil and gas, you know, these things are going to to be bedrock to your success, right? And so that's where I wanted to to, to focus the book. And so while I I call these, these the five truths of great product managers, these skills or behaviors, however you want to look at them, they're not the only things you have to be good at in product management, right? You've got to have financial acumen. You got to have a little bit of technical acumen. You got to do some other things. You got to know the process. You got to know how to do some other things, right? So it's not like you learn these five things and you're golden. you will never have to learn another thing in product management. That's not it. But I do believe, and I have found through my experience that if you don't have these five things, it's going to be really hard to navigate the role. So those five things, again, just as as you mentioned, great product managers in, in my experience and research have a really high level of customer intelligence. We'll go through each one of these briefly, but really high level of customer intelligence. They are experts at building those relationships. They are master communicators. They have good judgment. And that one's a really interesting one to me that that I loved digging into more as I was writing the book. And then finally, they prioritize their time really well. So, you know, again those things don't necessarily work in silos. They kind of build together or, or sure. meld together to build this foundation from which product managers pull when they're going through our complex world of, of product management. So it's, it's been really a fascinating time to, to write the book and to, to interview and tell the stories and and learn more as I went on. So, um, let's Let's talk about each one briefly and jump in and, and ask me questions as as you have them. but it's I don't think there's a priority order here, but this is the way that the book lays them out customer intelligence relationship, communication judgment, and then prioritization. So you know customer intelligence, and I use that term specifically because it encompasses, voice of customer and you know continuous discovery and you know the the kind of all of the mechanisms if you will of of understanding customers but it's it's really the an overall or overarching maybe is a better word understanding and appreciation of your customers and who they are right and so there's kind of the the type of customer right business customer and then all all of the segmentation that you want to do but it's really about understanding, you know, four kind of levels, if you will. You got to know who they are, so their characteristics, which is really basic, and basically every product manager is going to know that. You've got to know the situations and conditions they find themselves in, um, and and this is the level, and this kind of the second level is where I see the the break of good good to great. And I don't mean that to be, you know, that that ineffective necessarily, but the great ones move past understanding the characteristics and and the situations they're in up to the third level and then the fourth level and that third level being motivations. What's driving them? Right. So what are their strategies if they're a business? What's what's their motivation if they're individuals, right? Those motivation and drivers start to get you into the psyche. And that's where great product managers start to get. And then finally, it's all about unmate, unmet needs and pain points, right? So if you can find that level of, of customer intelligence, then you're going to really be able to then, okay, turn your attention to solutioning if you first understand that, that level of what's, what's happening with your customers, like really, truly what's happening to them and with them, and, and then ultimately what's not happening with them and what could you potentially help solve.
0: I like that you kind of break out a maturity model, you know, for the, the four levels there of how do you kind of move from good to great product manager in this aspect of customer relationships. You know, if we're not getting to the point where we're discovering those unmet pain points, right, that are unmet needs, we're gonna have a harder time actually offering meaningful value.
1: Exactly, and it's it's not easy, right? I mean, it's again, I, I I don't mean to minimize any of it, but you know, finding out their characteristics and figuring out their you know all of the the demographics or firmographics. You know that's that's not that hard even finding Mm -hmm. the situations economic conditions and those sorts of things it but the the further up that that maturity model as you as you said you know you get the harder it is it's it's not easy Mm -hmm. to to really pinpoint and and translate things because our customers don't speak in in very concrete terms that you know they say one thing and that's it that's the light bulb no we've got to interpret it and we've got to kind of dig and find it so so that's customer intelligence and and you know, again, you'll you'll hear a theme here. I, I am certainly not the first person to say, "Hey, know your customers and build relationships with your stakeholders." So, so none of these five truths are are groundbreaking in themselves. It's that they're so bedrock to what we do that it's really important for us, anyone in product management, whether it's day one or you know year fifteen, to continue to focus on these. So, and
0: just on your point, JJ, you know, not necessarily groundbreaking, but you know, as an author, I don't know what kind of experience you went through, but it's your roll up of experiences, right? You know, from all these product management roles you've had. And I think now that you've leveraged all these other engagements, coaching companies, that that gives you very rare insights into what actually works, right? And you, and you know a lot more nuance than most of us out there know, right? So perhaps not groundbreaking, but a perspective that is unique and really valuable. And that's why we're talking.
1: Yeah, awesome. Thank you for that. And and that's that's exactly right. And one of the the things that I hope for the book, and and I'll, I'll kind of give you an example of this in the relationship building truth is that I do kind of bring all of the experience together and then strip away the complexity. Right. So mm-hmm. so one of the things that I think we we do. it's not intentional, but I think what happens in product management is that we overcomplicate things or we, we see the role as, as quite complicated. I mean, we work in a complex environment, right? We have multiple stakeholders. We typically work with complex technologies and that sort of thing. So it can be complicated and complex of what we're trying to do, but we tend to make everything really complicated and everything's, you know, again, not always, but, but can be more complex than it really needs to be. And so, tried to kind of strip it down using my experience and maybe it's just that I'm a simpleton, but I really like to keep things as simple as possible. So, let's let's uh, use I think we all do. Yeah, right. I mean, I really think that there's a there's a, a mastery in that and I'm still I stole your stole your word there. Product hey, mastery we're all moving towards
0: mastery. That's yes,
1: it. exactly. And and there's there's it, the more we can simplify things the better we are right there's a there's a saying i'm going to butcher it i think but if you if you can't explain something simply you don't understand it well enough and so i think that 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 goes to to what we need to do so so let's talk about relationship building i'll give you a quick example so relationship building wow what a topic right and so everybody knows anybody that's been in product management for a minute and a half knows that you've got to have strong relationships with stakeholders because we work with people all over the organization and even outside the organization. So it is a, a, an inherently cross-functional role and we have to build these work relationships. So there's books and training classes and, and, you know, university classes about how to build, you know, productive relationships. And, you know, it's, it's human beings, it's different personalities. There's no one, one size fits all, but in my experience, there's this underlying tenant that, that is really bedrock to professional relationships that work and specifically in product management. And that is confidence, right? That, that, you know, the team has to have confidence in each other. And even more specifically and even more simply, there's the, the product manager themselves has to instill a confidence level in each of their team members. Trust. You could use the word trust, but really it's, do they have confidence in you? Do they believe that you can be the product manager? Do they believe that you have the skills and the competencies and the ability to lead this team in this way? Influent through influence, right? Do they believe in you and do they have confidence in you as a product manager? And then the second thing is, do they believe in, do they have confidence in the product itself? Right. So so relationship building, we could, you know, spend hours on. Right. And there are all these different ways to build relationships. But the first thing you've got to do is you've got to figure out the status of each relationship. You know, who are the 10 people in my organization that I work with all the time on my product? And those relationships are critical for the success of the product. Okay, those 10 people, what's the status of my relationship with them? Well, how confident are they in me? And literally you can score them. And then how confident are they in the product? Do they believe in its vision? Do they believe it's in, in its, you know, go forward strategy? Do they believe it's a viable option for the market? And then you can plot them and, and literally use a quadrant to say, okay, this, this person's a champion. They believe in me. They believe in the product. This person's a detractor. They don't believe in either one of those, you know, and those are the ones that are going to be, you know, iffy relationships. Well, I I say in the book, you can't process your way through relationships. It's just not possible with human beings. But you can be very intentional. You can plan. You can understand where people sit in the relationship status and then go about a plan to to either nurture a champion or to repair a detractor type of person. So that's what I mean by kind of stripping everything down to the simplest simplest form, right? It's not a one-size-fits-all but you got to have some sort of basis to understand who you need a relationship with in the first place, and then where do you stand with them, and then you can go forward and build things.
0: I think some people that get into product management, and this was certainly true for me, I personally was kind of rebuffed by the, the word politics, right? That mm-hmm. like, you, know, you need to understand the, the politics of the organization. I'm like, I don't care about that. I just want to understand what the customers need, create cool products, deliver value to them, you know the rest will take care of itself. And the reality is there is very much a strong relationship aspect, and I think product managers relate to that pretty easily, right? It's like, you know, if you're going to get any support for your idea, who can help you with that, right? How, How do you move this through the organization and get support? That's a political sort of environment that you're in, and thinking through... Maybe in this friendlier language, if you, if you don't like the political language, right? You know, who are the relationships and, and what is your status in those relationships with the key people that you need to kind of be part of your professional network to help move ideas forward?
1: Exactly, exactly. And I, I talk about in the book, and I I, I mentioned it, but I glossed over a little bit about, you know, who are those 10 people you need to have relationships yeah. with? Well, sometimes it's not that easy. Sometimes we don't know. And so there's, you know, again, a simple tool, relationship map. And and it's just literally who helps bring ideas to the table, who, you know, who helps, you know, validate those ideas, who helps design, right. you know, engineer, source, who helps fund These ideas, right? Sometimes we forget about that, market, sell, et cetera. And literally just writing those down, and you end up with oh, you know, forgot about so and so. And, and again, I know it sounds simple, but it's really important that we understand who the people that, like you said, can, can move, move the ball along and, and get things going for us. So I, I'm a big believer in going back to the basics and and making sure that we're, you know, doing everything that we have to do. I talk a few, a few times in the book about great product managers being intentional. And I use that word a lot because they're intentional about how much they know about their customers. They're intentional about the relationships they need to build. And, and so they don't, They don't leave a lot to chance, even though it's, it's not always easy. They, they, they put the time into, to to do that. Very good. So, you know, moving on to to the next few effective communication, again, a a big topic, but the way that I've found it in product management is that it really all comes down to a couple of things. It's, it's about connecting. It's about connection, right. And connecting with our audience. And there are some tools we talk about and, and how to do that. And then it's about clarity. So, you know, again, communication is a big, broad topic and it's an important thing because for product managers, we communicate all the time. We communicate digitally in async ways. We communicate verbally. We communicate, you know, nonverbal, all kinds of different ways. We do big speeches in front of, you know, town halls or big executive meetings. And then we have, you know, you know, whatever it may be, our rituals with our our core product team, but we're constantly communicating ideas and, and gathering information, listening, you know, the other side of communication. And so right. it's really about connecting the dots for people and through stories and through empathy, you know, and, to, and through these, you know, kind of things that, that we we have to do and we have to learn. It's also about adapting to our audiences. I just mentioned, you know, getting with our core core team talking about the minutia, And in the same, you know, breath mentioned talking about the, the senior leadership. Well, that's a product manager's day, right? I mean, they literally have to pivot from, from one, you know, conversation to the next and, and tailor their conversation and the communication to that person on the other side of the camera or on the other side of the table, right? And, you know, yeah. there's, there's the, do they want to know about the, the why do they want to know about the what, or do they want to know about the how? And they may fall somewhere on that spectrum. And if you're talking about the how to somebody who only cares about the why, you've lost them immediately. Right. Or conversely, if you're talking about the why and the big picture about somebody who really needs the details... You're not connecting with them. So again, it's kind of understanding those things and clarity. It's about, you know, being concise. It's about, you know, repeating ourselves, consistency, right? And so again, communication is important in lots of different ways, but I've, I've laid out a few different ways in the book about, okay, focus on these, right? If you, if you can focus on connecting with your audience, whatever that looks like more and, and improve yourself just a little bit in that area, you're going to be a better communicator. And that's what we're looking for. We're not looking to move the needle like from one side to the other. We're looking to just incrementally improve. And that matters. That really is going to make a difference in, in these truths and really everything that we do in product
0: management. Excellent. I, I love that. I was thinking back to you mentioned motivation on the earlier one about customer intelligence, right? In that level. And this comes into play too, as you were describing, you know, knowing your audience. I think something that really does separate the good product managers from the great product managers is they do, they recraft their story based on the audience so that it connects better with who they're talking to. And they have to recognize, you know, if I'm talking to a sales VP, that's going to be a different story than if I'm talking to an engineer for sure, which is going to be a different story than talking to the CEO. We need to tailor for the audience for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and that's that's a, a exactly like you said. The the great ones do that, and it's it's not it's it's not meant meant to mean that we do it right every single time. That's the other thing about product management. I mean, you and I have been doing this for, you know, a long time. Um, and we still learn every day. We still look we back, always are learning, right. And we still look back and, and say, gosh, why did, why did I say it that way? Or why did I do that? And, and so there's no, Oh, I've won. I've, I've mastered this truth. I can, I can, you know, check that one off. That's not how this works. But Definitely, there's some some markers of greatness in terms of it just gets easier, right? They get they learn how to to do these things and bring them in. So, moving on to good judgment, this one this one's one of my favorite ones. It's also in my experience and research one of the most intimidating truths i think a lot of people believe that it's difficult to improve judgment they don't understand what that means decision making obviously kind of goes hand in hand with this and a little bit different but basically having good judgment making good decisions etc but it's it's really it's not that difficult or complex, but it does take a little bit of, of kind of mastering the other truths, right? So making good decisions takes good information and to have good information, hey, guess what? You need to know about your customers. You need to know what's happening with your, your other stakeholders, et cetera. So listening from the communication side, right? So so the other truths are also kind of foundational to good judgment, but basically good judgment in my experience in the way that I try to help product managers understand it is it really comes down to a couple of things. It it comes down to recognizing that we're all susceptible to cognitive biases and let's try to avoid them as much as possible, right? It's not, you know, possible to avoid them completely because we're humans. That's how it works. It's a fascinating topic, right? About some in, in the book, of course, um, but things like confirmation bias, right? We're all going to fall prey to that from time to time. We're all going to frame our question in a way that taints the information that we get back, right? So, so finding those biases that we're all kind of susceptible to and trying to avoid them. Not going to win every time, but trying to avoid those. That's number one. The other thing that great product managers do when it comes to judgment is that they, they, they become comfortable with ambiguity, Right. They, they understand that in product management, in business, but especially in product management, there's no like cut and dry. Absolutes, you know, let's go this direction or that direction. And it is absolutely clear which one would be best for us, right? It's, that's just not how it works. We often work with, you know, incomplete data. We work with a few different ideas that could all be viable. And so it's not a matter of always getting it right, right? It's not a matter of always picking the right choice or making the right decision. We're, we're going to get it wrong quite often, frankly, in product management, but the great product managers become comfortable with the fact that, okay, I, with the information I had at the time, I made the decision, we moved forward, we learned, we've, you know, put mechanisms in place to, to quickly learn that that may not be working. Let's pivot, let's change. But they don't, they don't fall prey to that paralysis by an analysis. I think it's the saying, right? Where Mm -hmm. until I am 100% certain, I'm not going to make a decision. You've got to make decisions with some ambiguity and you've got to have some comfort level. So that to me is about judgment. That's what what I talk about in the book. It's about, you know, there's no picking the right answer every time. It's making sure you've got better data from the beginning and then being comfortable with, okay, we're going to have to make decisions sometimes clouded in ambiguity.
0: And there's a timeline trade-off there, right? If yes, we, yes. If it's a decision that we have more time, maybe we can construct an experiment, we can collect more data, we can be more intentional about the, the factors that go into making this decision. There's other times that, gosh, if we don't make the decision this week, whatever the next milestone is, isn't going to happen. And so the, the timeline comes into place too, and product managers have to get used to that. As you said, the analysis you know, paralysis problem we can't just sit back and wait for all the data we want.
1: Exactly, and and there's also the the risk level of a decision, right? I mean, there are mm-hmm. some decisions where we need to get this as right as possible, right? right? And so, I don't mean to minimize that. There's, you know, if you're if you're building a, you know, a, a, a some sort of big machinery, and you're about to spend, you know, ten million dollars on on the manufacturing you know, dies and, and, and all of the, the processes that you're about to have to go through. Guess what? Y- yeah. Let's, let's make sure we're, we're doing the right things. Right. And so great product managers understand where that risk equation lies and okay, this, this decision I can make with, you know, 50% of the data and be comfortable with it because we can we can move back, we can pivot. This one has a lot of risk uh, involved with this decision. And so again, that kind of balance of understanding what needs that time, what needs that focus, and and how how much do we need to de-risk something before making a decision. That all goes into that judgment. Good point. So the final one, you know, it's about prioritizing our time, prioritizing our efforts. I mean, there's probably, you know, a million different conversations that each of us have had about prioritization and product management, because it's such a, such a pressing issue for product managers. So we need to make sure that we're doing the right thing for our products, but really that all starts with how we spend our time. Right. And, and, and I know Chad, that you, you can probably attest to this, that, you know, product managers so often are asked to do things that may not really reside in the role or should reside in the role. And so one of the things when I'm working with a team or working with a company or working even with an individual product manager, I like to say, what are you doing with your time? Right. And, and it's, sometimes we get lost. Sometimes we, we don't know. And so again, great product managers are intentional. They, they try to understand where their time is. They, they scope it out. They categorize it. They say I'm spending X amount of time with customers, X amount of time on strategic stuff. I'm putting out fires 50% of the time, right? I'm in sales meetings all the time. Whatever it is, we've got to know first how we're spending our time at work because a lot of what we do or a lot of what organizations ask product managers to do, maybe that should be somewhere else or it should at least be deprioritized from our role. And so often, especially, you know, in in the midst of a a big project or a big innovation kind of endeavor. You wake up on a Friday, wake up, you know, you look up on a Friday and say, gosh, where'd that go? You know, where'd that week go? I didn't do anything on my strategic to-do list. I was putting out fires constantly. Look, that happens, but the, the best of us really focus on being intentional about how we spend our time. And if something comes along that we know is ancillary, to what is, you know, our top priority. Guess what? We say no to that meeting or we say, "Hey, can you, you know, tell me more about it and then and figure out that it could go to someone else." And so again, it's about it's about prioritizing our time, you know, first of all. And then it goes into kind of now that we've hopefully our as product managers are doing the most impactful things with our time. Now, let's talk about how do we prioritize features and functionality and, you know, ideas right. and that sort of thing. And I don't necessarily in the book lay out any favorite prioritization model because I, I think there are a lot. I, I'm a big fan of Radhika Dutt's vision versus survival. I think that's a good one. There's the, the Eisenhower matrix, which is always a good one. And there's some others that work, you know, quite well for, for organizations. Chad, you may have one as well that, that you, you tend to like. I, really, it comes down to is it going to add value to the, to the, to the customer, right? Which customers, how many customers, that sort of thing. Do they, are they really going to pay for it? And then, you know, kind of, is this where we want to go strategically? So, you know, prioritization is one of those things that we can, we can forget about really easily. We can wake up on a, on a Monday morning and say, well, I haven't done anything this month that I meant to do. And, and so, you know, we have to be really focused on, and I, I literally write, a book about this and I still find myself saying I didn't do anything on my to-do list you know and so it's one of those things that you really have to kind of go back and journal and and look back and say gosh I, I I did a little bit better this week but it's still not there and so it's just one of those things that it's not about being perfect it's about just making sure that you're you're focused on it enough
0: yeah, being tough about it. And I see a tension between that last one and the previous four. Yeah. And allow me just, just to summarize it and we'll talk through that and wrap up. First truth here of great product managers, the customer intelligence, understanding our customers, having those relationships with them, understanding what situation they're in, their motivations, their those unmet pain points. Number two truth was the relationship building. We need strong relationships with stakeholders. There's 10 of them to be keeping in mind. And details in your book about that, but that would be the 10 to help us actually th- take action on an idea, right? We need the supporters and the finance people, those that can analyze it further and the like. Effective communication, which does involve listening as much as wrapping our story and with the point we want to make right into a story in a way that relates to the audience. Good judgment is about decision-making and the ability to make decisions with the information you have at the time and being good with that, right? For the situation, make the decision, be able to move on. And then as you talked about the last with prioritization, I was thinking, you know, and in part, if we're getting good, you know, moving on that spectrum from good to great on those first four things, well, there's people in the organization that are going to go, hey, JJ, you know, you're so good at talking to the customer and you're so effective, you know, getting your points across. Can can you come join me on this travel? You know, the next week, we're going to go visit our top 10 customers and you can start getting pulled in more directions because you are being recognized as being great.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Just being aware of where you're spending your time, if it's on those things that actually are important to add value for your customers in the organization is a big piece of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great summary and you're, you're spot on. It's, you know, the, the great product managers are pulled in lots of different directions. They, you know, they're asked for their opinions on lots of different matters and asked to participate in different endeavors and different meetings. And, and they have to be very diligent about, about focusing and, and making sure that they stay, stay on track.
0: Which reminds me of a quote, but I rather hear yours because I always ask guests for a innovation quote. What is the quote you brought us and what does that mean to you?
1: Yeah. So, so the one that I like the most is, and it it ties into, I think judgment mostly, if if I were to tie it to one of these truths, because I, I, one of the things that product managers do is they, I, I call it redefining fail in product management, right? So just because we didn't quite get the right answer this time, we still learned something or we still were able to move forward. So it's Nelson Mandela and it's, it's basically, he likes his quote was either when or I learn, right? So, so I either win or I learn. So if I win, great. If I make the right decision, great. That's perfect. We can learn from that and learn things as we go, but there's no real, and so in product management, I think that's really important, right? Very rarely do we make a decision that's so catastrophic that, you know, we can't come back from. So the bad decisions or the ones that didn't work out so well, we can learn so much from those to make us better the next time. So I either win
0: or I learn is my, my favorite quote. That may become one of my favorite quotes too. I I love that aspect of we're always learning and we win some of the time too.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly.
0: When it came to the prioritization, the one I was thinking of, and this may be more of a paraphrase, uh, Steve Jobs, innovation is saying no to a thousand things. Yes. Right. And as product people... That's part of the job. You you can only put your time in so many places and you have to know what to say no to.
1: That's right. Absolutely love that one too.
0: I love your quote. Thank you for sharing that with us. We are all about learning and we do have to reframe how we think about failure because that will limit us. So if we're doing something new, we're going to be learning. You know, that comes with the territory. Absolutely. JJ, thank you so much for going through your immutable truths with us. the, the The five truths of great product managers. How can people find out about you, the work you're doing, and get their hands on your great book?
1: It's been a pleasure, by the way. Thank you so much for, for having me. So you can go to greatproductmanagement.com. Find out all about the book. There's resources there. There's you know places you can buy the book. There's some information about me and, and the other things that I do. You can find the book on most online book resellers. So it's on Amazon. It's paperback, hardback, and ebook. And you can find it at Barnes & Noble. There's bookshop.org, which is kind of a cool online retailer. It's a little bit more expensive there few dollars more expensive, but some of their proceeds go to local bookstores. So I happen to like that, but it's on Amazon and and basically all of the other big retailers as well. It's available now. So, and you can, you can also find me on LinkedIn, JJ Rory, JJ Rory on Twitter. Would love to, to hear from anyone, connect with me. And if you've got questions about the five truths or the book, happy to answer for anyone.
0: Wonderful. JJ, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me, Chad. And listeners, as you're taking this journey to Product Mastery, remember we have resources for you. One is that written summary of everything that we just discussed, and also the one-page action guide, which will have the key insights in, in it from JJ, you know, that you help you put into action immediately some of the truths from our discussion. You'll find those resources at ProductMasteryNow.com 403. Remember, keep innovating.
1: Thank you for listening to Product Mastery Now where product leaders and managers gain product mastery through practical knowledge, influence, and confidence. By listening, you are becoming a product master, creating products customers love. Find additional resources at productmasterynow.com. Keep innovating.